Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. It is Wednesday. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. As you can see, Grant Cohn is not here. He couldn't do the show today, but we're getting the band back together because in his place is Kyle Posey, Grand Poobah, Managing Editor, NinersNation.com. KP, I've missed you. Oh, man, it feels good to be an upgrade, get a little upgrade in the co-host section, huh? Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> every time I do something... There's at least one comment on YouTube that says, hey, miss you and Rob. So, yeah, let's do it, man. It should be fun. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I miss uh, I miss everybody there at Niners Nation. But we're here. We got week three coming up. Niners, Thursday night football, home opener. We're going to get to all of that. But before we do, I want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel. And as always, rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you leave a review, we will read it on the show. This comes from Hosway24, five stars, subject, the gold standard. I should have rated earlier, but I am a pro procrastinator. I happily give five stars for the gold standard network, especially to Rob and his various hosts. I like Levin and Michelle because I need the positivity and the objectivity in my life. Also, I would never take a spoonful of mayo like Michelle did. Cheers with a mimosa. Yeah, Michelle lost a bet because the Steelers went down in week one. She had to eat a spoonful of mayonnaise on the show. Could you have done that? Zero chance. No chance would not be interested. Would have taken literally anything else. So what that sounds like is Rob still the negative Nancy. <laughs> well, look, I've when they play, I'm positive because they keep freaking winning. We're up right. to 12 straight in the regular season now. It seems like my negativity comes from like a lot of the offseason stuff, but they're just so damn good at football. It's hard to be negative. Right? They keep winning. I wonder if that's rubbing off on the beat. So 49ers scored 30 points. Brock Purdy comes to the podium. His first two questions are, well, how's it feel to leave those yards on the field? Or are you kicking <laughs> yourself for missing those throws? And I'm thinking, did you guys watch the game, man? Like they just scored a ton of points. They scored on most of their possessions in the first half against a very good Rams team, a surprisingly good Rams team. Yeah, see, that was my message after the game was like, Brock probably had his worst game, at least in the regular season. And they got worked in the first half and they still put up 30 points and they would have won by double digits on the road if McVay didn't kick that meaningless uh, for the spread field goal. Right. We're talking about a potential 40 burger on the Rams on a divisional opponent on the road. And and we're worried about, oh, man, uh, these inaccurate throws. 
So well, let's get to that because Brock was asked about that yesterday. Also, a lot of people, you know, saying, does he throw a good deep ball? I know Grant talked about his deep ball not being good in training camp. What do you make of the throws? Is it just, hey, it happens to everybody or should people be a little concerned? So Grant's right about that during training camp. For whatever reason, he was off. And obviously, you know, he's quote unquote rusty. He's still coming back from the elbow surgery and whatnot. It was weird. Like Brandon Allen was the only quarterback who could consistently complete a deep pass um, Mm. in August. But this is not August. And I don't know if it's just like the lack of rapport, the lack of actually trying it in a game, still getting on the same page. I would be more worried if this is an issue come November, come December, because how many times have we seen a 49ers quarterback attempt these throws this early in the season this consistently in the season so he's looking to push the ball down the field and I would be more I would be more happy that my quarterback is seeing the field right he's going down the field when the first read is not open so yeah like there's leaving yards on the field but they're scoring 30 points I mean he missed on those three throws that we're talking about but I think there was so much overwhelmingly positive in the game throughout the game from the quarterback that um, it's it feels like we're being a little nitpicky here. Yeah. And like, that was the thing about Brock. That was for me, it was like, dude always hits the open guy. Like that was the biggest difference between him and Jimmy right away. It was like, he don't miss the guy's open. We don't have to worry about like, look at this play. What could have been, that was always the thing. He missed them last week. Um, you know, nobody throws two touchdowns a week, every week, Patrick Mahomes, doesn't throw two touchdowns a week, every week, this was going to happen with Brock. But if his floor is, no turnover worthy plays, no turnovers, 200 yards, a key drive at the end of the first half. Like you'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, think about it. They marched down the field in the two minute scenario. Like that's what we should be concerned about. Or that's what we should be talking about. Right. They scored 30 points and that was mostly on the offense. They didn't get these short fields from the defense. And in fact, they had to bail the defense out for once. And how many times can we say that? Because the defense yeah. was sucking it up in the first half, but 49ers offense was able to keep them in the game. And yeah, it was because of the long run from Christian McCaffrey. But I think Brock did a really nice job of keeping them on, on schedule. So not really too concerned about the deep balls because he's hitting those intermediate level routes and he's keeping them on the field. He's keeping um, – there were still a couple of plays where he's – the first level is wide open, George Kittle, and he's passing that up and going to the second level. And I think that's – um, that's what you want to see from your quarterback. I think that I felt like Brock was a little annoyed when he got asked about it in his press Probably. conference yesterday. They were like, how do you fix it? And he was just like, yep, I got to hit those. And then he kind of went into the standard like, well, we rep it in practice. I've done it in practice. You know, we'll get it worked out. But it seemed like he was a little, you know, we're learning about Brock. Yeah, I loved his response to the Patrick Peterson when he was just like, we'll see. And then he goes out and dices up Patrick Peterson in week one. I feel like, you know, he he hears the criticism. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple deep shots on Thursday night. Yeah, just to open it up. And that would be a good, you know, good decision from the play caller, Kyle Shanahan. Let him, you know, calm those nerves early on. Let him take a deep shot early on. Do you want to see Brock push back to the media? Like when he gets asked those questions, will he I, push back is another question. If he goes out and throws a couple deep balls and, and he hits them and it's fine, I don't think he'll say anything. But I think if it continues to be a thing, I think he will. Because I think he's got a little – he's not like Jimmy G or Trey Lance, who's just like, you know, very buttoned up and, you know, saying the right thing. Brock's got a little fire in him, I think. Oh, he's a shit talker. Let's not sugarcoat (laughs) it at all. He's looking to – he wants to say something. Um, You talk about the Steelers game. After the fact, when he said – was that second touchdown on Patrick Peterson? Yeah. You knew who that was on. You knew <laughs> what you were doing. Don't act like that. So, yeah, I, there's definitely some fire in him. And, I mean, this is a primetime game. So, if he does ball out, if he does show out, I, I think he will say something. There's no doubt. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think it's going to be a wild scene at Levi's. Home opener. Niners wearing the throwbacks. Giants wearing the throwbacks. That's a fantastic uniform matchup. The all white Giants with the blue helmet with the all caps Giants on the side. It's going to be lit at Levi's. Yeah, it should be it should be a real fun matchup, man. Um, it'll be. I think the crowd will be rocking, um, especially after. So think about what we've watched the first two weeks. We've seen an offense score 30 points. We've seen the offense score 30 points. The defense struggled in the first half, but we also saw the defense bounce back. And then what the defense did in the first game against the Steelers, I, I think they deserve a little leeway um, in the first half. So, yeah, they they should be fiery, man. It should be really fun to see them them come out. Yeah, because I thought that last week was the first week in a long time where maybe the defense just didn't seem to have that same kind of juice. And maybe it's because the game plan was sort of to sit back and zone a little bit. And it, I, we saw how that worked out. I think the Warner and company are just going to be fired up. Like if the if the Giants get the ball first, oh, my God, I think it's going to be like the fastest three and out you've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, no Saquon Barkley. So you don't have to worry about the Giants, quote unquote, best offensive weapon. If I'm Brian Dayball. I'm running Daniel Jones like 30 times. There's no yep. doubt about it. And and Kyle Shannon kind of hinted at that, that they're almost prepared for him. They're they're aware of, you know, he's fast. He's a great runner. He is one of the best running quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes. Um, and historically, at least under Kyle Shanahan's tenure, the 49ers have struggled to stop these mobile quarterbacks. But when there are no other weapons, I think they're going to be pretty prepped for that. Talking head says, okay, but what if it had been against a better defense and team and those missed touchdowns cost you a game? I think it's okay to talk about this aspect of his game. He struggled deep in college too. Yes, that's true about Brock and the deep balls, but the comforting thing for me is like, they also don't need him to hit those to put up 30. Yeah. And again, it goes back to if he's struggling with the deep balls and they're, you know, they're not scoring, they're not converting first downs. That would be an issue, but he missed the deep ball, came back on the very next play hit an intermediate pass, nobody cares, right? They're still moving the ball. They go on and score points. So if the offense is out of rhythm and out of sync because of that, then that is a problem. But on the one to Juwan Jennings, which that was his third read, right? He's he's looking yeah. to his right. He misses Kittle or, or he Kittle's covered. Ayuk's covered. He has to come back all the way across the field. He makes a play. He's giving Juwan Jennings a chance to make a play. So that's what I want to see, right? You want to see him give his guys an opportunity. And I think on another play, I think it was the Debo one where they don't hit, they come back and they hit Juwan Jennings the next play on a, that leak play on where he's sneaking out of the, um, from the other side of the formation to the other side of the field, 31 yards. So Juwan Jennings is not open. He's covered. Brock gives him a chance and Juwan Jennings rewards him for a catch. So again, that's a deep ball that we're not talking about, but like these, these plays are being made. That's a good point. That was uh, 31 yards, and it was all air yards, too. It yep. wasn't like a catch and run. Um, I want to get back to something you said before the Super Chat, Brian Dayball, and what he's going to do against the Niners. I think it's going to be similar to last year. I think he's going to pull out all the stops. It's going to be a kitchen sink game. I think you're going to see a flea flicker or maybe a pass to Daniel Jones where they try and do like a Philly special type of thing and get Daniel Jones down the sideline. I think Brian Dayball knows if he tries to win this war conventionally, so to speak, he's going to lose. Yeah, think about it. Like, how is he going? Like, what can they do, the Giants? What can they do against this defense? It pretty much all points to Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. And that means pretty much him on the ground because when he throws the ball, it doesn't always look great. He, I think, so we just talked about this on NinersNation.com. His interception rate is 4.6. Uh, for those wondering, league average is closer to like 1.7. So, yeah, don't want to be um, nearly triple the NFL league average. He is going to give the 49ers opportunities. And so far, I think they've done a really good job of taking advantage of those opportunities. Obviously, Kenny Pickett, not the greatest competition. But when they pressed Stafford later on in the game, yep. he did come to them and he did make the mistakes. And I don't think, uh, obviously, nobody would agree that Stafford, sorry, Daniel Jones is on the same playing level as Stafford. So this is quite a step down in competition. So they went pick it low, 
Stafford, who's high on the charts, and now they get another step down um, in Jones. So they, they have to make him pay. And who tied for the league lead in interceptions last year? That would be the 49ers and the Steelers with 20. So this is not a new thing for San Francisco either. They seem to be hanging on to these passes too, except for Fred Warner in week one. Man, right in the hands. Oh, Dre dropped one too last week. Did he? At the end of the game. He dove for one. Oh, I don't I didn't remember that. Okay. Well, hopefully they get a couple because when they do, that's how they've been able to score these 30 points for every Brock start except one. Defense just keeps giving them turnovers and setting them up in positions to score. Yeah, and I think now more than ever, they have an opportunity or they're starting to convert those into touchdowns is what we've seen this year anyway. You mentioned the deep ball to Juwan Jennings. Vish blew my mind on Monday when he pointed this out. After that play to Jennings, which came with 14 minutes and 18 seconds left in the fourth quarter, the only two 49ers to touch the ball after that were Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Every single offensive play went to one of those two people. Closers. Is that sustainable? Um, yes. So you're trying to close out the game. You want to win the game. That's when you want to go to your best player. So to me, when we're talking about is Christian McCaffrey's workload too much? Are, is Kyle Shanahan going to, you know, effectively get him injured because that's what the concern is, right? If you have, he has mm-hmm. over 20 touches, I think over 25 touches in both of these games, like that's not going to be sustainable. But when you just kind of watch the game play itself out, like I have screenshots of this when McCaffrey runs a route, there are, there were two guys on him every time. And when that happens, what's that going to do? That's going to open up the field for everybody else. So like his gravitational pull, I guess we can use the defense overreacts to him. So why wouldn't you go to your best player in that situation or Debo on the, the, the run? Cause it was a lateral technically. Yeah. He makes like four guys miss. <laughs> why wouldn't you give him the ball? So like, I, I think it is sustainable because we have so many, we have so much evidence of guys not being able to tackle him. The Rams on the 51 yard run by McCaffrey, like the Rams have a guy, they have him dead to rights. And all he does is make him miss and he outruns everybody down the sideline. So in the fourth quarter, you're going to rely on your best players. Why wouldn't you, right? Make the defense tackle him. And we saw that they weren't able to do that. So um, it's a short week. I don't think we're going to see that this week. I think now is where we see more Elijah Mitchell. Brandon Ayuk has that shoulder injury. So I don't know, you know, how, how much they're going to lean on him. But I think with this being a short week and with this being the opponent, I don't, I don't think we're going to see a heavy workload from those two, but over the course of the season, a hundred percent. Yes. They're Those are going to be the closers. So we have a couple super chats. I want to get to in a minute, but I want to stick with this because I just wrote something on uh, our website, goldstandardniners.com about the share of touches that McCaffrey and Debo are getting 67% of the touches on the year (laughs) have gone to those two guys. And that is with Brandon. Ayuk having a career week. In week one with eight catches. So they are really relying on Debo and Christian McCaffrey. Kyle did say he plans to get Elijah Mitchell some more touches this week, which I think is good. Um, Do you I believe him when he said, um, I didn't know that he was in? Or I didn't know that he wasn't in? No. Right. Do you? <laughs> no, of course not. You're the Kyle... head coach. You're the play caller. You know the rotations. But again, like in my mind, like if I'm calling plays, why would you take Christian McCaffrey out? Think about that. Like, <laughs> what does that make sense? Um, I'm I'm going to call play. I want my best players in the game. In the fourth quarter, I want to gain yards, right? I want to chew up the clock. Like, yeah, you get paid the big bucks. Yes, like this is why you go out and get a Christian McCaffrey so your offense can stay on the field, so you can move the chain, so you can score points, and that's what they were able to do. Yeah, I just there's no way Kyle didn't know. He never really rotates his backs unless he has to. He generally sticks with one guy. I do get nervous because McCaffrey is so, so important. I think the offense looks dramatically different if Christian McCaffrey's not on the field for the 49ers. But so far, it has been good. And uh, let's obviously hope it keeps going. Let's get to a couple of the super chats. Uh, Nick Ellert says, before the season, a lot of questions on turnover-worthy passes with Brock. How do we feel now, better or still skeptical? I'll say this last week. He didn't have, he didn't put the ball anywhere close to harm's way last week. Yeah. Like you, there's, there was no argument out week one uh, this, this past week, he was a little off target on some of these throws. I don't know if, you know, there, there was some pressure in his face, but he was just off. And I think it's okay to admit that. And I think it's okay for quarterbacks just to be off for have a game again. If this is going to be continuous, that's when maybe it would be 
you know, you, you start to worry. But at the same time, like he's a seventh round pick, right? Like he's not going to be this CJ Stroud, right? He's a top pick. Like you expect him to be accurate. You expect him to be pinpoint. But I'm more appreciative of Brock giving his guys a chance. I'm more appreciative of him going to the second level. So you're seeing the offense be more efficient and effective because he throws the ball. He goes where it needs to be. Like um, I, I was looking at some of their usage last uh, last week, or sorry, the first two games compared to what it was last year. Like Kyle's not relying on play action with Jimmy under center. They were like 20%, 25%, 20%. This year, they've run play action four times, like four play action passes. That's 8% of the time. He wants uh, Brock Purdy to drop back and be the point guard to get the ball out of his hand. So that tells me he trusts Brock and we're not seeing these turnover worthy plays because of it. Like if the ball is behind the receiver a little bit or whatnot, like they are so good, the margin for error is greater. And I think Kyle understands that. So uh, so far, so good for Brock. Let's see him. Like, I think a lot of people, if if you are, you know, concerned, you want to see him do it against, like, the Cowboys, do it against the Eagles, do it against these better defenses. But to be fair, like, the Steelers and the Rams, by the end of the season, they're probably going to be closer, if not in the top 10 defenses. It's funny you mentioned that with the play action. Um, Warren Sharp pointed this out. So Kyle dropped to 33% on play action passes that was 24th in the nfl last year and that was lower than the league average which was 38 and it's a huge departure for him because he went play action on 47 percent of passes in 2020 and 41 percent in 2021 so kyle has definitely shifted things a little bit it's almost like he trusts his quarterback <laughs> imagine that uh nicholas para thank you very much says hey guys good to see kp here Purdy should be comfortable back there since the Giants are the only team without a sack so far. I just want to cruise to a victory and get our other running backs some work. So what is the status of the Giants defensive line? I know they have uh, Leonard. Uh, what the heck's his name? Leonard Williams. Leonard uh, Williams. I yeah. kept thinking Leonard Marshall from the 80s. And the, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, they have Leonard Williams. Uh, they have Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, so they have dudes they just haven't really done anything and honestly Dexter Lawrence is like a star he's very good so the 49ers will have their hands full as far as like the interior goes but think about it when I when I talk about the lack of play action passes a lot of what the 49ers are doing are three-step drops like it's the quick game they're getting out of the ball uh very quick so um I know they're operating a lot in the shotgun but oh I wish I had the number I don't have the number in front of me but I believe um as far as just the quick passes go it's upwards of like 60 percent. so the the giants if they are able to get you know by if they're able to win they're not going to have time and that's where brock purdy knowing where to go with a football is a big portion of the 49ers success so a uh, living shotgun i think their success rate is over 55 percent, which uh, well above league average um if he just keeps playing the way he's playing goes where goes where he needs to go with the ball um and the, the wide receivers win, which they are doing at a high level, uh, they'll, they'll be fine. I'm interested to see if Kyle changes the game plan a little bit because week one they had T.J. Watt, who, by the way, is a freaking wreck. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, T.J. Watt's a better defensive player than Nick Bosa. T.J. Watt, Whoa. like, wills them to win games. Somebody uh, told me yesterday, like, he's already a Hall of Famer. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I think he is. Uh, he's incredible. Like, not only does he affect them every play, but like he's taking the ball away, stripping the ball, returning fumbles. It's more than just, hey, this guy's a good pass rusher. He is altering games for them. When he was on the field last year, they were the second best defense in the NFL. When he was off the field, they were 30th. So I think that kind of tells you um, how much of an impact he has. So last week, Raheem Morris, he he probably watched what TJ Watt did and said, I'm going to do that with my best player. And I think the 49ers just overcommitted to Aaron Donald. That's another reason why they were able to, you know, keep Brock upright all game. So the Giants don't have that caliber of a rusher. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, he's a first-round pick. Like, he's just not there yet. I I really would be more worried about uh, Dexter Lawrence up the middle, though. So, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, no, not to discredit the guys the Giants do have, but they don't have – an Aaron Donald or a TJ Watt type player there. And it's the first week this year that the Niners are going to go up against a defense that doesn't have that kind of guy. So I'm interested to see how Kyle changes things, if he changes things at all. And maybe if the 49ers, you know, if Brock just has a little more time to operate back there. I think he does. And maybe this is a Kittle game, right? If we're talking about workload. So week one was Brandon Ayuk. 
last week was Debo. It's always going to be Christian McCaffrey, like no matter how we slice it. Maybe he doesn't have 25 touches. Maybe it's closer to like 15, 17. And then in the second half, we see more Elijah Mitchell. Maybe we see Jordan Mason be the closer this time instead. But I, I imagine it's going to be a lot of Kittle over the middle. I hope so. They still need to take George Kittle out of the packaging. Um, you know, they just restructured his contract, so he's going to be here for a little while. I would love to see it. I have always said we see, uh, blocking, excuse me, is the second best thing George Kittle does. He's incredible after the catch. I want to see him use them, especially if Ayuk's not going to play. You can beat the Giants with Kittle, right. Debo, and CMC. Most teams would kill to have those three guys. Uh, <laughs> most, most teams would kill to have two of those guys. Right. That's what I mean. So I would rest Ayuk and just go at it with the rest of your guys. You should be able to handle it, uh, and hopefully they do. I'd love to see Kittle go off. Uh, Glass City says, Kyle, what's your opinion about Elijah Mitchell? In the past game, he seems to be a good route runner and catcher. Yeah, I just don't think they use him enough to get an actual opinion about him. But he's not Christian McCaffrey. It's the easiest way to put it, right? Yeah, like, no. when McCaffrey's out there, he just, like, I watched in training camp. I'm watching McCaffrey being guarded by Fred Warner. And I've seen Fred Warner play football before. And you've seen Fred Warner play <laughs> football. And you are, you understand how special of a player he is. And he just couldn't guard McCaffrey, man. And you can't say that about many players going up against one-on-one against McCaffrey. So it's not – I think it's less about Mitchell and more about McCaffrey. Again, last week, like I can – I should tweet these screenshots out. When he's running routes, there are multiple players flying towards number 23 when he's on the field. That's not going to happen if 25 is on the field. Yeah, it's it's just a different level of player. And that's, I think, something that people don't always look at. They just look at like, well, Mitchell can run the same routes. It's like, yeah, but the defense doesn't care that Elijah Mitchell's right. running these routes. They care exactly. about it when it's Christian McCaffrey. I hope they get Elijah Mitchell some more run. He's a good player. Uh, I know he's had injury he problems, but when he's healthy, he's a really good runner. And if you can lighten that load on CMC, I'm all for that. Like Mitchell can break some of these big runs too. You know, it's not like, you know, it's Alfred Morris back there. No disrespect to Alfred Morris, but like Mitchell can run and move. And as a, a pure runner, I don't know that there's that much of a drop off between him and CMC. He should be nice and fresh too, which again, short week, they just played a few days ago. So McCaffrey is probably not going to be a hundred percent. So now would be the time to get Mitchell 10, 12, 15 carries. A hundred percent. And I absolutely hope they do it. Uh, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Now you're the 49ers. You know that you've had trouble with mobile quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, like you said, is as mobile as they come. How do the 49ers go about stopping him? Cause I do have some visions in my head of Bosa trying to fly past them on the edge and just opening up huge running lanes for Daniel Jones. So they have one of the best left tackles in the NFL and Andrew Thomas. Um, it took him a little while to get going, but he's there now. So I'm probably putting Nick Bosa on the other side. And as you said, like, you know, losing contain has been a little bit of an issue for them. So I'm sure they're going to be harping on that um, throughout the course of the week here. But I, I am interested. So last week, Steve, uh, Steve Wilkes was pretty passive early on, right? Like the mm -hmm. corners are playing off. Um, they're not really blitzing and, just from a defensive mindset, when that's when you're just being told to sit back and play zone, you're not going to be nearly as aggressive. So we saw more missed tackles. We saw a lot of these easy completions over the middle, and the Rams had no problem um, just moving the ball down the field. Like Brian Dable is a great offensive mind, but he's he's not nowhere near as familiar with the 49ers and what they do with Sean McVay. So you know that's going to be a little bit more quote unquote easier in that sense. But I think he's going to come out aggressive. Why? Because they had so much success in the second half last week of doing that. And Isaiah Oliver became a different player just by blitzing him, just by sending him, being more aggressive. Diamond Lenore, uh, Charverius Ward, those guys on the outside, when they were pressing, when they were in the face of the Rams receivers, all of a sudden uh, we weren't seeing 15-yard Puka uh, reception, 15-yard Tutu Atwell reception in the first half. It seemed like we were watching the greatest show on turf. It seemed like we were watching Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. And then in the second half, they look more like, you know, the receivers of, that you would expect. So the Giants don't have anywhere near the level of wide receiver talent that the Rams do. And the Rams were without Cooper Cup. So I think we're going to see a more aggressive. They're going to force the guys on the outside to win. And I think the 49ers like those matchups. So um, who is going to be the spy? Like who's going to keep an eye on Daniel Jones running? Um, is another probably probably something that 
you know, they, they might be worried about, but the 49ers have so much speed on defense that they should be okay here. Yeah. I almost say let Warner handle Darren Waller and let Dre Greenlaw be the spy on Daniel Jones. Um, Cause I think obviously Warner is better in coverage than Greenlaw. You mentioned Steve Wilkes. He had an interesting quote this week. He said, once I got a feel for the game, I adjusted on the back end to allow our guys to have our opportunity to get a little stickier in coverage. So it's mostly with the corner. So I think he kind of realized like, cause he's still learning too. And, and don't right. forget, this is a system for Steve Wilkes. That is not his system. He is running the 49er system. So it's, he's got to adjust a little bit too. And like you said, I think probably he learned a little bit in that second half. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think that's a good point about like, he still has to figure out what his players can and can't do. And I think in the first half, knowing the success that the wide receivers had last week, the Rams wide receivers had last week, he wanted to be mm-hmm. a little more passive. So he was trying to rush with four because that's what the 49ers ha- have done over the past few years. And they weren't able to get home. So he knew he had to change it up and come out of the gate. He just started sending five. He just started sending Oliver out of the slide. He started sending Fred Warner up the middle. And I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. So it is nice to see him make those adjustments. Because in the first half, it's like, whoa, like, who are these guys? These are not the 49ers that I'm used to watching, right? They were they were just making so many mistakes, and they were just making life easy on the Rams. And it was a complete opposite in the second half. We saw three turnovers. Um, I think they only scored three points on, what, like five or six drives. So that's the 49ers that we were accustomed to seeing. And I, I think that's going to carry over. It would be detrimental to the, to the mindset of the defense to go from being that aggressive blitzing and then just calling the dogs off now. Yes, I agree. And hopefully if, if Wilch tries to do that, somebody goes into his office and says, look, this ain't going to work. <laughs> like, we, Kyle flips over to the headset and said, nope, we're not doing this. Right. Uh, well, they asked Kyle about that. Like, hey, did you tell Wilkes to be more aggressive at halftime? And he was like, I don't really need to wait until halftime. I could do it over the headset and talk about it anytime I want. But Kyle literally told Laura Oakman going into the half. He was like, hey, we need to be more aggressive. We need to tighten up our coverage. So like, I'm sure he let Wilkes know, and I'm sure everybody knew at that point what needed to be done. Yeah, like Wilkes has eyes. He he knew that um, <laughs> life was just way too easy for them. And like the Giants, just with who they are as an offense, with their skill players, the 49ers don't have to wait back, right? Like if, if yeah. you're going to lose to Jalen Hyatt <laughs> – or whatever his last name is. If you're, if those are the receivers that you're going to lose to, then that's who you're going to lose to. But I think you're going to just be aggressive. You are going to win with your guys. Trust that your guys are going to be better. Do you think this is the week that Nick Bosa gets off the schneid, the sack snide? I was literally going to go there next. I just wanted to sneak in this super chat from Talking Head. Did Brock throw an inter- uh, Brock did throw an interceptable pass to Patrick Peterson in Week One? Oh, he, okay. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Over the middle, short over the middle. Okay. I mean, again, I'm not, like, I'm not getting caught up on too much of that. I think also people just assume that if a player gets a hand on a ball that it was an interceptable pass. Like, that's not always the case either. Sometimes you just can knock it away. But uh, people are a little too freaked out on Brock, I think. But anyway, getting back to the defensive side, that was literally the next – I had look, boom, top of bar, ready to go. Can you please tell people that even though Nick Bosa did not have a sack, he's still really good at football because I feel like people see that zero in that column and they're like, oh, Bosa's been terrible the first two weeks. No, he hasn't. So some of the comments are pretty funny just because after he didn't do after he didn't do anything week one, they're thinking, why did we pay this guy? Anybody can do that. It's like, come on, man. So naturally he's going to take some time to get into game shape right to get into playing shape you can't just rev up and go from zero to whatever you're doing on the side yes he's in great you know shape in general but to go from football shape is a totally different thing so i think this week he should have his legs underneath him like he's playing all the snaps too so that tells you he's in good good shape but i mean it's time right like they are paying him for a reason they do need production but to your point like he gets like speaking of the gravitational pull that Christian McCaffrey gets teams yes. are not letting Nick Bosa go one-on-one with a tackle. Like he's going to have a tight end over there. He's going to have a running back over there. And what does that do? That allows these blitzes that we're talking about to get home. That allows Eric Armstead to win his one-on-one battles for John Javon Hargrave to nearly take a freaking handoff because he's one-on-one. So uh, Drake Jackson had three sacks in the first game because 
there's pressure coming from the other side because the quarterback has to climb the pocket. So, yes, he is getting way too much criticism. He's still one of the best players in the NFL. Um, it, I do kind of want to see him getting moved around a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. If you watch what the Cowboys are doing with uh, Michael Parsons, he's lining up over the center. He's lining up all over the line of scrimmage. So maybe that'll help Bosa. But he's like, if if he doesn't produce, he's still going to get these crazy comments. He uh, he does usually move around at different points. Um, hopefully, he does it a little more. By the way, uh, Andrew Thomas is was limited in practice, so he may not be a hundred percent at uh, left tackle for the Giants. So that's obviously good. Uh, let's see. Wedge Antilly says Bosa has given himself a two game handicap for defensive player of the year by holding out. Not saying he can't repeat, but he's made it harder for himself. But especially with what TJ Watt just did too. I think part of winning the award is having good performances in prime time when everybody's watching. Yeah. So if Bosa oh, wants yeah. to have a shot, stepping it up on Thursday night would be a hell of a way to get a, a you know a jump back on that campaign. Didn't Bosa have a big game last, I think, week 15 against the Seahawks? Like, he already had it sewed up or whatever, but I think that's a great point just about if you want to win this award, if you want to get the notoriety, you have to show out when everybody else is watching. So what better way to do it than the home freaking opener, Um, especially if Andrew Thomas is out, man. Yes, that would be massive. Uh, Let's talk about Javon Hargrave a little bit. Everybody saw that play where he almost took the handoff. I'm not a defensive line expert, uh, and I, you know, haven't really seen his pressures and anything like that. To your eye, are the 49ers getting what they expected out of Javon Hargrave? Hmm. So if we're talking about like $84 million worth, right? Because that's the bar. If we're talking about the best of the best, probably not. But again, I think in the same sense, like Wilkes is trying to figure out his defense in general, Harger is trying to figure out what he can do, how he can win, like where he needs to win. I've honestly been more impressed just with the defensive line in general with Eric Armstead because he's been very close a lot. He's been a lot closer than Hargrave, but that doesn't mean Hargrave's been bad. People expect these guys to win every time. The best pass rushers in the NFL are winning like 18, 20% of the time. Like they're barely winning their reps, but when they do, like that's when everybody remembers. So when they don't, obviously it's going to, it's going to show out. And you, after the game, you're looking at the box score. You see the zero sacks. But I think Hargrave's fine. And I think as we get along into the season, like, again, Wilkes will get these guys in the right position. So once Bosa gets back to being Bosa, once Eric Ar- – if Eric Armstead just stays healthy, if he's on the field, I think Hargrave will be fine. So to answer your question, no right now, but I'm not worried about it. That's good. That's reassuring. Uh, I do agree, by the way. Armstead, you know, you can have a really good game and not – fill up the stat sheet and I think Armstead has done that um, and hopefully he continues to do it I want to get this super chat in from Chris who says oh I'm here it's late KP what's up nice to see you on the gold standard podcast much love and respect to y'all I haven't talked to uh, to KP in a minute so it's always nice step into the world of power loyalty and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no details. now we got to take a trip to negative town kyle you know I'm the mayor of. Took you long now. enough. We're 35 minutes in. What <laughs> you've been itching? Hell, <laughs> right? I've been holding it back. What the hell is going on at Nickel Corner? Ambry Thomas stinks. Isaiah Oliver was terrible. I know he made a couple big plays last week, which I did give him credit for. But I mean, they're rotating these guys in and out because they're not happy with either one of them, essentially. Right, and I think that's where the Anthony Brown signing comes into play. Like, just in case. Mm-hmm. 
somebody's not or one of these two isn't stepping up. I know he said injuries, which is true to a point, too, because think about it. Amber Thomas goes out. So Diamador Lenore, who was hurt, has to come back in. Amber Thomas gets hurt. So Diamador Lenore, who is hurt, has to go back in. <laughs> that can't happen yeah. when your only other option is Trey Swilling, who is only on the team because he signed a futures contract back in February. So that's how bad the depth is because Samuel Max out. I would love for Womack to get an opportunity. I think that is the answer. He was excellent, in my opinion, during the preseason. He like he has the mindset, he has the playing style that you need for a nickel corner, but he's hurt because we're talking about the 49ers. So of course he's hurt. That's where the cap space needs to be allotted to. Like that's what they need to do. They need to keep bringing in guys. Honestly, if there is somebody available in the trade deadline, obviously you can't just go to the the free agency market and say, "Hey, I want right. this best corner." That like those guys aren't available for a reason. But I know he had the interception. Isaiah. Speaking of nickel corner, speaking of Isaiah Oliver, let's be honest here. The ball went right through the guy's hands. Like that is not <laughs> sustainable. The third down stop that he had. Like those are the plays that Isaiah Oliver has to make if he is going to stay on the field. But like he still missed. He had other plays where he's either he missed a tackle, gave him a first down. Um, he's being passive in the goal line, and he gets pushed back. And the Rams are able to run for a touchdown. So, like you can't ignore those plays. To Deandre Lenore's credit, I thought he got much better as the game went along, which had a lot to do with him just playing press coverage, with him being more aggressive. So I don't know if um, the answer is on the roster right now. I, I still need to see more consistency from Isaiah Oliver. Like, he got better. In the, like, he played much better in the second half. There's no doubt about it. But we've seen enough hiccups from him, and not just, like, in these two games. Like, he was shaky in August, too, so – there's a reason he hasn't started as a nickel corner in two games. We'll see if that will, he might not have a choice this week, but uh, he's going to be put in space and it's going to be against like uh, guys like Daniel Jones and uh, whoever the giants choose to throw their screens to, because they're going to screen the hell out of the 49ers. So he's going to have a chance to make plays. Let's, let's see if he can, but there, there's no doubt. Like that's the position that defenses are sorry, opposing offenses are trying to target. Like they want to go at that slot corner or, Honestly, whoever is opposite of uh, Charvarius were. My sources tell me Josh Norman's still available. You know, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> um, but I think other, uh, like you said, other teams realize that the Niners were in nickel for all but two snaps last week. So, like, clearly offenses are like, oh, we got to get that guy on the field because, you know, are you going to take your chances with Mooney Ward or trying to throw a deep pass with that defensive line? Or are you going to say, let's put our number one guy in the slot, put him on Thomas, put him on. Uh, Oliver, and we'll take our chances. I feel like other teams recognize the weak link too. Yeah, and again, the idea is Oliver builds off what he, the way that he finished last week, right? Like that mm -hmm. interception should be able to get him a lot of confidence. That third down stop where he makes a tackle in the open field, that should be able to get him confidence moving forward. And hopefully, you know, he does whatever he – they are so confident everywhere else <laughs> that there's really no reason for him to be playing like – you know, quote unquote, shoddy, scary, I guess you should say. And he kind of talked about that a little bit where he said it's taking an adjustment to get used to how the 49ers play defensive football. So it's a learning process. It's a filling out process. So we're two games in. So uh, Oliver has a long way to go. I like this question from Logan, who says, looking back, do you think that losing Jimmy Ward was worth it? Two years, 13 million doesn't necessarily seem like that's something they couldn't have worked out. Maybe it was guaranteed money or duration, especially because they now have $41 million in cap space, KP. So it feels like if they really wanted to keep Jimmy Ward, they could have. Do you think maybe they should have, or do you think that Ward wanted to be a safety and so he wasn't going to come back? Yeah, I, I think he wanted to be a safety. I think that was pretty well known. And, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about Jimmy Ward. There are no gray areas when it comes to Jimmy Ward. He is going to tell you what you want to do. <laughs> However, two games in, Jimmy Ward has not played a game this year um he has been hurt he was hurt i think in the preseason too so he hasn't played a game and I, are you going to risk that two-year 13 million when the guy might not even play when the guy is getting up there in age football wise when you've suffered injuries like your injuries don't just go away right like those are the type of the, the type of plays where he was banged up the type of injuries that he has like those are the nagging type of injuries that are going to be around so I think the 49ers kind of just rolled the dice and understood. I mean, it's not going to get any better. 
But what's up with Jair Brown, man? Like, what, like he hasn't done anything. Is he ever yeah. going to play? Honestly, I don't even know until if he's you said his name, teams. I forgot about him. And I was so excited to see him. I thought maybe he could win a starting job. And you're right. I don't know if I've heard his name mentioned a single time so far this year. Yeah, it is strange. My, I said this at halftime because I, I thought Oliver played a poor half that why, why can't they roll with three safeties? Like, why can't they put Brown in? But they must think that like Brown must be so far behind that they're just not comfortable with putting him on the field. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah, I would like to see him. I was, I was kind of pumped about him. Let's get to this question from Gammon Brown. KP, how was your transition from Fooch to you at Niners Nation? You dealt with much criticism from the fans of the site. How do you handle it, and is it better? Um, I mean, there's – first of all, the transition was fine. It, it was a lot better than I anticipated. I didn't know what to expect. Um, criticism doesn't really bother me. We're, we're talking about the internet. Think about it. As we're talking about defense, somebody's chiming in about Brock Purdy throwing a interceptable pass, which that's just how this works. It's all right, man. You are um, obligated to – say whatever you want to. So um, people didn't know me at the time. So they naturally were felt some type of way about me. That's okay, man. Um, I knew that I would have to win them over and it's, it is a lot better. And inevitably there's always going to be people um, who will feel some type of way about me because uh, just because I'm here (laughs) for no other reason why. And I mean, Rob understands this. There's always going to be quote unquote haters around. It's it's part of the internet. It's all good. I don't, I, it doesn't bother me when, when somebody has a different opinion about me, um, a different opinion about my opinion. It's all good. That's just, it's what we do. It's why we're here. So um, I have thick skin and it, but it it has gotten much better. I I really, we really don't run into that very often. Let's just say the negative comments have ceased since my co-host right here has left. God, man, I missed the comment under every article I would write that said, this guy's full of it. This site is really going downhill since Fooch left. Oh, man, it was every time I wrote something. We, uh, We have data in the background that, you know, obviously the public can't see. What we need to go based off what our success is, is where we need to be. Let's just put it like that. So we're, we're doing okay. I really feel like, you know, maybe you need a little negativity at Niners. Nation. <laughs> I'll work on that. It's so frustrating because this is what's happening now, KP, which is really annoying for me. When I say something negative, people are like, you want to be Grant Cohn. And then when I say something positive, people are like, you're just trying to change the narrative that you're baby Cone. It's like, what the hell? I'm damned if I do, damned There's if no I don't. Win. Yeah, catch 22, baby. Um, it, and that's another thing. So uh, if if you just make, if you write an article about Brock Purdy, there's going to be one comment that says, oh, you forgive him for everything. And the, 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 the very <laughs> next comment under that is going to be like, why do you hate him? You're such a hater. You're so negative about him. So that's just how the internet works. Before we go, I feel like I have to mention this. Third round kicker, Jake Moody, has been money so far on the year. His 57-yarder against the Rams in week two was looming large before the 49ers went up two scores, and he's been a friggin' rock so far. He has. Um, the the one negative would be that out-of-bounds kick, right? Yep. So that, in a close game, that might have hurt him. But he has, a, he has a leg. Like, he can boom it. And just the fact that we're able to see a kicker kick it out of the end zone is like, whoa, they are allowed to do that. That's cool. Um, but no, he, he's been good, but he has to be good, right, based on where they took him. Six for six on field goals, six for six on extra points. He is only the fifth kicker since the merger to hit six field goals, six extra points without a miss in his first two games. So that's pretty good company. One of those other kickers, by the way, is Justin Tucker. So Not you know, bad. maybe feel good about that. Okay. Before we go, final predictions for the game. I believe the Niners are favored by 10 points in the game. It was actually down from 10 and a half at one point. Uh, we don't, we think Saquon's not going to play. We don't know about Brandon Ayuk. What's your final prediction for Thursday night football? I think Kyle's going to play a, a little closer to the vest just from everything that we talked about, right? So it's not going to be one of those games where you get Christian McCaffrey the ball 25 times you might not rely on 10 targets from Brandon just because he has the shoulder injury. But I mean, the defense is going to be the defense. And we talked about it. You don't need those guys to beat the Giants team. The Giants made the Cardinals 
look like the 49ers. So <laughs> with that in mind, I think it's going to be something along the lines of like 24-13, something like that. I keep wanting to you know, try to not be overly positive about the score, but Brock Purdy puts up 30 points every single freaking week, except right. for a short week against the Seahawks when he had broken ribs. And so I got to continue to pick the Niners to score 30 points until he doesn't. Uh, so I'll go Niners 30, Giants 13. I think it's going to be a whooping. I think that that place, Levi's, is going to be electric. So I'm, I don't think it's going to be close, and I want the Niners to go and handle your business, and then you have a long layoff before you play the Cardinals in week four. Player of the game. Mm, George Kittle. I think Kittle's going to have a big week. Same. Let Ayuk rest. McCaffrey's going to get his. But who's gonna who's gonna guard Kittle on the Giants? Like I, I just don't see it. So I'll go every every year. Kittle has like two to three games where he actually goes nuts. So I think pick week three for George Kittle. Eight eighty eight two Kittle. Ooh, I like that. I'd sign for that. Hell, he may even have more if he freaking breaks one. I like to see that double screen fake play that they ran in Seattle. Run oh, yeah. that one again, Kyle. So it, it is prime time, and this is when Kyle does like to show that he's still Kyle Shanahan. So <laughs> we might we might get some trick plays that go to Kittle. Well, KP, I want to thank you so much for hopping in on short notice. Really appreciate it. Definitely miss talking with you as much as we used to and hanging out. Uh, if everybody wants to see your work, where can they find you if they don't already know? So, yeah, go to NigerNation.com. But every week I'm, I do a couple of breakdowns on YouTube. I just put up uh, the oh, yes. offensive review uh, yesterday. I did one of the three overthrows that everybody can't stop talking about on Brock, too. And then later today, I'm going to try to get something on the defense. We we can't forget about the 49ers defense. They are a machine, regardless of the first half. So uh, that's where Kyle Posey at YouTube. Yes, as much as I say like and subscribe to the gold standard, you should definitely like and subscribe to KP's page. It'll make you a better, smarter fan. I love when you do the breakdowns. I always pump it up, and 49ers and 5 is the one thing to watch because they are absolutely fantastic. So go and check those out, everybody. And don't forget, after the game, we'll be live here on the Instant Reaction Podcast on YouTube, on Twitch, at Stats on Fire. So please, please join us for that. Hopefully recapping the 13th straight regular season win for the 49ers. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk tomorrow.